Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. And so today I want to talk about this idea of asking better questions. Say that with me. Asking better questions. It's really good for us to ask better questions in life especially when we begin to put together our different ideas and things like that. Uh, hopefully, um, I want to put a graphic up of the life wheel here. If you haven't got a copy of the blank one, it's out there in the main foyer. Uh, we've been going through and looking at some different ideas, you know, whether it's education or life planning or spirituality, uh, finances, all those things in our life, kind of seeing where we are, you know, taking a, a snapshot. The first week, we were supposed to take a snapshot of where we are But then last week, talking about where do we want to be and avoiding different obstacles that come in in life. And so today we're going to ask some better questions. Before that, though, I was I was thinking about this this story of my oldest son still living at home. I want to preface this because a few weeks ago I I told a story about my son, Ethan, uh, awesome young man. I love Ethan so much. But, you know, I I said my oldest son, I said Ethan. And then my oldest son was, really? Who's your oldest son? And we were just kind of, it's this going back and forth funny thing. I was like, I said that? Man, sometimes dad just says stuff and he didn't even know what he's talking about. But my oldest son still living at home. Uh, He was three years old and he loved candy especially chocolate. Loved the snack. Still loves the snack to this day. He's, he's one of my snackmeisters around the house. But I will say this. I'm proud of him. He eats like 98% completely clean. He works out like six days a week. He's, he's really into fitness and health and things like that. I mean, he watches stuff on it. He's, he comes to us and talks about it. It's really important to him, which is really cool. But when he was three, not so much. And so he really loved candy. He, he loved chocolate. He really loved Hershey's Kisses. Now, I don't know if it's an issue of us maybe depriving him a lot when we're, uh, you know, just, I guess, younger parents with him, you know, trying to make sure we didn't make some of the same mistakes we made maybe before and trying to make right decisions. But I remember one time uh, we were at this little party at, at his daycare and the daycare director said, did you see Ethan? And we're like, well, what? And they're like, I looked over and literally he was in the middle of the, the tables there. There was some bowls with candy and Hershey's Kisses. And he was grabbing the Hershey's Kisses out and he was shoving them in and unwrapping and shoving in as fast as he could, as many as he could. I'm like, my God, what have we done to this kid? But it, it, it reminds me of another story when he was about three years old and um, Sissy, we call it's Bianca, our oldest daughter, uh, only daughter, uh, Bianca. Uh, her name's Sissy. Ethan called her Thithy back then. And so Thithy was watching him uh, one day. He was about three. And she said she was downstairs and she heard these little footsteps upstairs. He was supposed to be in bed. And so she came upstairs and she saw him. She found him. He was standing in the middle of her room. Now he had this tendency to go in her room and just get into stuff, especially candy. And so she would hide candy. In fact, she said she had this huge, you know, stash of candy and like this huge jumbo chocolate bar and it was put inside her closet. Well, she comes up, she finds him standing in the middle of the room. She goes, come on, buddy, you know, you're supposed to be in bed. Let's get in bed. She puts him back in bed. She goes back downstairs. Well, a few minutes later, she hears a little pitter patter of feet again. She's like, oh my gosh. And she's like, I wonder what's going on. And then all of a sudden she hears this little voice from the top of the stairs say, sissy. Sissy. She's like, so she rocks around the corner and she's standing at the bottom stairs. She looks up and his face, his mouth, his hand, she said, anywhere on his body, it seemed like was covered with chocolate. It was everywhere. So she goes into her bedroom and she sees that jumbo chocolate bar. He found it somehow. She's like, I I hit it. I don't know how he found it. He sniffed it out apparently, but it's it's laying right in the middle, half eaten. And she's like, mom and dad are going to kill me. But see, he loved chocolate. He loved sweets, you know? And, and it's, it's funny to me because temptation can be really strong, can't it? Yeah. Now, for some of us, maybe temptation is chocolate. Can I get an amen, right? We love that chocolate. Now, I like some dark chocolate, personally. And some people are like, that tastes like the earth. I'm like, I know, it's good. Now, maybe 70, 78% cacao, anything more than that. Any chocolate connoisseurs here? Dark chocolate rocks. Amen. My wife's like, no, it's milk all the way. We will never agree. Let's agree to disagree. We will stay married, but I will have dark and you will have milk. Amen. But you know, it's interesting because all of us face temptation in life, don't we? And again, for some of us, maybe it is chocolate. 
Uh, for others, it could be things that are, you know, more detrimental than that to our health, to our emotions, to our well-being. But we all face some, some sort of, of temptation. But here's what I found, that I, I really find some comfort in the fact that even Jesus faced temptation. You know that Jesus faced temptation? In fact, I believe it's in Hebrews it says that he was tempted in every respect as we are. I remember when I first read that, I'm like, wait a minute. So Jesus was tempted just like I'm being tempted at times with every aspect of temptation? That was kind of reassuring to me because it shows me that you can face temptation, but you can make better decisions in the midst of those temptations. And so I figured maybe I need to keep Jesus on this journey with me since he's so good at facing temptation. But there's one portion of scripture I want to look at in Matthew chapter 4. And we first read this, you might think, how, how does this apply to today? You'll see, we'll get there. But, but how many know the story of the temptation of Jesus? In fact, if you open up in Matthew 4, for a lot of you, you might look right at the heading. It says the temptation of Jesus or the temptation of Christ. And so I want to read this story. I want to see Jesus and his reaction to temptation. Let's start here in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 4. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. Can anyone say, duh? How many would get hungry after fasting for 40 days? Uh, th- thank you, Matthew, for writing that. I mean, because at first I, I, I didn't have a clue. So he's hungry. He's in this state of, of needing something, right? Needing food, uh, needing something, uh, needed to be satisfied. Look at verse 3. And the tempter came and said to him, in this state, if you are the Son of God, command these stones become bread. Look at verse 4. But he answered and said, it is written, man should not live on bread alone, but, by an every, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Verse 5, devil wasn't done. Then the devil took him along into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. Now look at this. The devil's going to start quoting some scripture. For it is written... He will give his angels orders concerning you, and on their hands they will lift you up. Look at this. So that you do not strike your foot against a stone. Now what is the response of Jesus? He says, well, on the other hand, it is written, (laughs) you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Now see, he has an answer, doesn't he? For each temptation. Verse 8, again, the devil took him along to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory, and he said to him, All these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. The the literal translation is prostrate yourself to me. I'll give you everything that you can see. But look at the response of Jesus. Go away, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And I love this last verse here of the story 11. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and began to serve him or minister to him. But what's interesting, after this verse, it says, then Jesus began his ministry. You know, a lot of times in life before we maybe launch out into something new, launch out into something that, that God has brought, you know, us revelation to us, this is your, your place in life, what you're to do. Many times we'll face some temptation. We'll face some obstacles. And I don't think it's an accident that we see this story where Jesus, before he launches in the ministry, before he does a single work, he faces temptation in life. And so he's faced with hard decisions before he literally is launched out in the ministry. And again, I I think it's the same for us. When we set goals and we set out to do something new, sometimes temptation will come. Things will present themselves to us and try to make us Um, take a wrong course or make the wrong decision. Anyone ever been there? And so that's another thing that's reassuring to me to to know sometimes I'm going in the right direction. Just because you have opposition doesn't mean it's the wrong direction. It can literally mean it's the right direction because it's not the easy way out. Now, there's a couple things that I see in this story, and man, there's so much just, I've said it before, if, if you read the Bible and it's boring, then you're reading it wrong because there's so much depth. There's so much... Just 
analogy and story and application within these stories. And there's a couple things that, that I see in the story, especially if you go back just one chapter to the baptism of Jesus. If you go to ver- chapter 3, literally verse 17, which is the last verse of chapter 3, you, you see that Jesus is being baptized and that this voice comes from heaven and says to Jesus, now listen, before any ministry is done, any healing, any of those things, he gets baptized and, and there's this moment where it says that the, the clouds open up and a voice comes from heaven and says, this is my beloved son or well-loved son with whom I am well-pleased. So firstly, he started out this wilderness experience knowing that he was the greatly loved and well-pleasing son of his father. That's got to mean something. Before the temptation, before those decisions to launch in the ministry, his father tells him that you're greatly loved and you're well-pleasing to me. It's from that vantage point he was able to I believe, see through the temptation to make decisions that were not advantageous to his calling or his purpose. And so it goes with us in our own lives. Everything needs to start from this place of sonship. And by the way, that includes you ladies, right? This is patriarchal society. When they write, they write in this form of sonship, but it's all of us, men and women, right? Men and women. So we need to see that. But do we understand that, that we are dearly loved, that we are pleasing and acceptable, that we are worthy, and that we have ultimate purpose in our lives, that we have something to do, something that we can accomplish? And, and it comes from not obligation, but from this place of knowing that you're greatly loved and you're well-pleasing to your Father. The, this, to me has radically changed my viewpoint on life over the last decade of why I do what I do, how I do what I do. Now, I have times, you can ask my wife, where I still struggle with my own identity. I struggle with a sense of worthiness. Come on, I think we all can. Do, do we measure up? Am I good enough? Am I where I should be? All those things. But when, I, when it just really comes back down to I'm, I'm loved simply because I exist, everything changes. And so now it's not trying to measure up to something. It's going for those goals and setting those, those uh, new ways of planning based on who you already are. So this is a huge thing that I see. This will definitely help us, I believe, in our decision-making when it comes to setting goals and really recalibrating our life wheel, if you will. But the second thing that I see is that Jesus doesn't give in to the easy the cheap and the popular ways of achieving his goals or having success in life. Now, I know when I say goals, success, life, first thing we think of is this Western idea, right? I'm going to set goals. I'm going to get lots of money. I'm going to get the woman of my dreams and the man of my dreams, the big house, the car. I'm not talking about that. So, so I want us to understand that just because some have taken this message and made it into all about you, it doesn't mean setting goals is a bad thing. In fact, I think it can help you be the you that God's already created you to be in a better way because it it kind of removes those obstacles and those things that have been in the way. It starts to to radically change your thinking about, I have purpose. I have goals. I, I have things in life that aren't just for me, but there's others who need what I have. There's a reason that I'm here on this earth. Is that making sense? And so he realizes, Jesus realizes that Making the hard decisions is, is a road that's less walked by humanity. We tend to want to take the easy way out, me included. But here's the thing, that road, that higher road, if you will, it is full of many obstacles. It will have opposition to you achieving God's calling and purpose in your life. But remember last week, we read about this, I believe it was in Paul's letter to, yeah, his letter to the Ephesians. I want to just recap. Let's just read this. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. When we think about these obstacles in life on this road, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. Look at the person next to you and say, You have been created for good works. That's who you are. But look at this. Which God prepared when? When you pray to prayer of salvation? Mm -mm. when you're good enough to receive it, when he thinks that you're 
Okay, now you can have the plan? No, beforehand. God prepared beforehand these good works. Why? So we would walk in them. So there's a reason these good works have been prepared beforehand. So we'll walk them out. Isn't that cool? But the phrase here, we talked about this last week, God prepared beforehand is actually a Greek word and it translates the notion that God has prepared a highway for us to lead us out like kings. And so we talked about the idea of like in the olden times, remember the olden days when you would have this procession that would go out before the king and they would, they would march down the road first to make it possible for him. They would level the road out to make his journey have ease and comfort. And so that's literally what this is saying, that, that God is looking for ways to level things out to make things a little easier for you. It doesn't mean things are going to come. They won't be there, but he's there the whole time with you. That's beautiful. But see, I think sometimes the biggest factor in stepping out and making better decisions is really choosing to trust, or we could use that word faith, having faith that God does have our best interest in mind. Because a lot of times it's so easy to just feel like we're on planet earth doing our thing. He's in planet heaven doing his. Every so often he'll intervene, but he's far and away, especially if I had a bad day. But the truth is, he's in you. In him we live, move, and have our being. The very fact that you're here today, that you walked in, that you got into your car that you hit the ignition, that you drove in, your animated body is because of the life force of Christ that's in you. Otherwise, you'd just be a lump of clay. So God is not anywhere except here. But how many know that sometimes right here, that, that area between these two ears is where we have to awaken to the fact that he's already been there He's always been there. So will we choose to trust him and say, yep, you have my best interest in mind. That although there will be obstacles on the road and there's going to be issues and there's going to be barriers to overcome, God is right there with you on the journey, leveling out the road and being a constant help in your time of trouble. That's where faith comes in. Because sometimes it's hard to even step out. Because we're just not sure. And maybe let's take the religious thing out of it. You're just not sure you can do it. I don't know if I'm good enough for this. Well, maybe it's time to take a shot at that. But as followers of Christ who believe in the divine, who believe in this, this, this great God who's with us, I think we should see that he promised to never leave us and never forsake us. So he's there on the journey with us. So at the essence of this series, we have to realize that our decisions really matter. And so here we are. We're still in January. I can't believe we're halfway through already, but we're, we're, we're in January still. It's 2021. It's not too late. In fact, it's never too late, even if it was July 30th, 2021, to make a decision. But why not make the decision here and now? So think about this. What I am today has to do with decisions made yesterday. And today's decisions will determine my tomorrow. Now, I know a lot of this is very practical. We know this. We've heard this. It's like, yeah, thanks, John Maxwell. Can we move on? Okay, I get that. But sometimes we can hear things and not live them. There's a difference in knowing that saying or that tagline and knowing it in your heart of hearts. Because when you know it in your heart of hearts, what happens is you begin to live it out. Now, I'm not saying this from a, a place of arriving. No, no, no. I have not arrived. There's definitely areas in this wheel when I look at it, I'm like, oh, dear Jesus, I need some help. Because I want to be the best version of myself. I want to step out in things. And for me, a lot of times, it's, it's maybe not stepping out because I don't have that faith in God. Or let me say this, that faith in myself that I can accomplish the thing that I believe he's put there. But let me say this, as much as you believe in God, you ever thought about this? God believes in you. I think it's hard for us sometimes in just Western culture and theology and religiosity to see that. I mean, you read verses and you look in the Hebrew that, that God sings over us. Who, who does that? Parents who love their children sing over them. The fact that in the Genesis poem of creation, this beautiful Hebrew poetry, it actually shows that when God creates man, get this, 
that God, the creator, bows down before us. In the Hebrew, it depicts a God. Well, that's not that hard to believe if I think of myself as a father. It's not hard for me to get down to my child's level. In fact, I love it. We just, we just had two new babies, Todd and Copper. They're kittens, mind you. But I get down on their level all the time. When we love something, when we find something just, oh, like I just love being part of this relationship, what do we do? We, we meet the, the, those people, those animals, those whatever, where they are. I believe God literally bows down to meet us where we are. That's how much he loves us. I want us to see that picture. It's absolutely beautiful. All you cat lovers say, yeah. You're like, meow. Anyway. You, you, yeah. You, you hang out with your dog, Pete. It's all good, man. <laughs> I don't know, man. These cats are pretty crazy. But just like Jesus did, when it comes to our decision making, I want us to think through this process of how we make decisions, but don't make decisions based on the easy. Now, easy, by definition, sometimes I think, we hear the word easy, we pretty much know what it means, but sometimes I'll look up a word and go, wow, that's pretty deep, right? This is what easy means. Causing or involving little difficulty or discomfort. Felt or attained to readily, naturally, and spontaneously. Now, it's great when stuff is just natural and flows out of you, right? I get that. But sometimes it's going to cause a little difficulty. It's going to cause a little discomfort. And how many know, at least in Western society, we do not like to be uncomfortable. Right? We're like, man, I got this thing where when I eat certain foods, like I'm just messed up and I get like this burning sensation. And the doctor, if he says to you, well, maybe you should change your diet. You're like, no, do you got a pill? Because I just want to eat whatever I want because it's too uncomfortable. Like ah, the, the, the discomfort of the pizza, it's not enough. Just give me a pill. That's harder than changing my diet, right? I'm, I know I'm messing, but I'm messing with myself. We just, we want that easy way out. But don't make your decisions based on the easy. How about this? Don't make your decisions based on the cheap. Cheap means readily available. It's already there. Requiring, look, look at this, requiring or indicating little effort, thought, or reflection. Now listen, I'm speaking to myself because sometimes I'm like, I'm just sitting there going, yeah, if there's no effort, thought, or reflection, that's me right there, right? But, but when I make those hard decisions, sometimes it's going to take a lot of effort, a lot of thought, and a lot of reflection. And that's what we're talking about this month. Take some time with these things. Don't cheap out. Don't go the easy route. And how about this? Don't go the popular route. Popular means suitable to the majority. Hey, everyone's doing it. I guess it's okay. Well, I don't know. That doesn't necessarily... Remember when you, when you were little and your parents would say, well, if your friends jumped off a bridge, would you too? And I'm like... And I was a little rebel. I'm like, yeah, probably, because I know how to swim. You know, something stupid. <laughs> and then I got in more trouble. It was awesome. Hi, Mom. Hi, Dad, if you're watching today. I've matured a little bit. But you know, sometimes we just make decisions for our life. Think about this. Your life goal, direction, uh, where you're going to go in life based on the popular. It also means commonly liked or approved. Ooh, we like that, don't we? Just, just like and just approve. I get a kick out of the bumper stickers like coexist. Now, I agree. Jesus coexisted. I mean, Jesus is like that perfect example of a person who could walk into any room or anyone could walk in and sit at his table, sit at his table, and what happened? They felt accepted. Whether he agreed or disagreed, they could have conversations. I mean, there was something about Jesus, right? But for a lot of us, you know, we just, we only want to do what's liked or approved in our life because we don't want that controversy. And let me say this, sometimes we want to do things you ever had an argument with yourself? Come on. As long as you don't answer back, it's okay, apparently. That's what I've been told. But, you know, sometimes we even fight within ourselves on this. We're like, well, I don't like to do that. Shut up. It's okay. Let's just do what's easy. And so when you make decisions, don't base them on the easy. Don't base them on the cheap. Don't base them on the popular. What should be the basis of our decisions? I believe it's whatever is right. 
what's right for you in your life at this moment. And sometimes what, what's right is not popular. Sometimes what's right is not cheap. And sometimes what's right is not easy. And so it's making those hard decisions in life. I've read this scripture in Proverbs. I'm going to read it again right now. I just, I love this scripture. I'll probably read it. I've done it two weeks in a row. Here's the third week. Careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Come on, is that just simple or what? Careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry puts you further behind. Now, I would say this, that when you get into the anxious mode of what the writer here says is hurry and scurry, it's not comfortable, is it? It's, it's never fun to be under the gun. I, I have dreams every so often that, that just reoccur. I don't know what it is. I just had one. I think it was, it was Friday night going into Saturday. I woke up Saturday morning, and I slept in. Now, normally, sleeping in for me is like 7. You know, I'm usually up 5, 5.30 in the morning. So if I sleep to 7, 7.30, that's sleeping in. I woke up, it was what? I think it was almost 9 o'clock. And I was like, what? But I, when I woke up, I thought it was Sunday, not Saturday. And I freaked out. Now, you got to understand, I'd, <laughs> I'd, already, I'd already put together, well, first of all, we get here at 9 to rehearse anyway. But I woke up and, and, and I already put my you know, basic message together, but I'm melancholy. So I want to go over and I want to fine tune. I want to tweak some things. It's just me. I just, I like that time, but I didn't get that. So I woke up thinking it was Sunday and I was freaking out. And it was so weird because I realized, okay, oh, it's Saturday. Whew. I went back to sleep. That's what it was. It was around 7. Because I remember waking up again at 9. But when I fell back to sleep, I had a dream. And the dream continued what I was thinking. So I got to church late. Nobody knew the songs, including me. The, the internet wasn't working. Nothing was working right. My message, I, I might as well just got up and said, hey, Jesus loves you guys. Have a great day. Because to me, in this dream, I had nothing. You ever had those reoccurring dreams? But see, that's that hurry and scurry. Sometimes real life happens and you feel that same way. Someone pulled the rug out from under you. And sometimes you can't help it. But many times you can by just pre-planning and planning ahead. That's what this writer's saying. It's words of wisdom. Careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry puts you further behind. So think about that. Now, today's title is what? Asking Better Questions. Say it with me again. Asking Better Questions. So, what questions can we ask to determine right decisions? What questions can we ask ourselves to determine right decisions? And I just want to go through five questions here briefly before we close today. And number one is this. When you're making that decision, ask this question. Have I asked another person? Sometimes it's easy to set goals, and I've done this before, and especially in certain things, you kind of want to keep it private. But I think it's important to have confidence in people that you can trust with your heart. And when you set these goals, ask another person. I mean, have you sought good and wise counsel concerning your decisions? Now, I'm, I'm not just saying to ask any random person you come along with or any friend, because some friends, they're like, you want to do what? You might not want to talk to them, right? And people do that. I mean, you want to change your diet, your exercise, your fine, you want to write a budget, you want to eat what kind of diet? I mean, people have all these ideas because they're the gurus. The funniest thing to me is the people that have the loudest mouths about it when it comes to diet and exercise and finances. My God, they've got, they're on 13 pills and they can't pay their bills to save their life. And they're trying to tell you how you should do it better. Listen, I'm not ragging on people. I'm saying we all need this. But choose wisely the friends you surround yourself with, especially when it comes to asking another person about your goals. And don't let someone get down on you. This happens all the time. I'm just going to reiterate this. If you have a goal and someone happens to hear and they start coming down on you about it and you look into their life and you're like, they don't even have it together in this area, then just let it go. Take it with a grain of salt. Just move on. Because I've seen people get so disheartened they give up over what someone says. You can't do that. So, have you asked another person? So what you want to do is approach those, first of all, who you can trust with your heart, but really those who have a positive track record in their own lives. How have they done in health? 
How have they done in finances? How have they done in family time? If you ever, I mean, we all have certain people we look up to for certain reasons. Like, man, they just seem to have it together in this. Well, maybe that's the person you say, look it, I've got this goal. I want to change some things around in 2021. What do you think? And you're going to get great, wise counsel from people like that. Now, if you don't have any friends or you don't feel like you do, don't forget to ask Holy Spirit. In fact, ask him for wisdom. I mean, James says this, if any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. That's huge. And it will be given to him. So at the end of the day, I mean, ask God. Say, give me wisdom in this area. But find people that have had a successful track record in maybe that specific area and say, hey, what did you do? How did you achieve this in life? And let me tell you, it's probably going to be, well, it wasn't easy. It wasn't cheap. And it wasn't popular, but this is what I did. And when you start to make those decisions, you will begin to see positive change in your life. So the question is, have I asked another person? Number two, we're all followers of Jesus, right? Is it Christ-centered? I mean, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, literally, right? Today, Facebook, YouTube, most of us are followers of Jesus or have some sense of, you know, this religious idea of God. But The second question, is it Christ-centered? Here's another way to ask the question. Is it kingdom-centric? Is it kingdom-minded? What ways can you figure this out? Well, for one, look at the life of Jesus. And and that means for a lot of us, picking up a Bible. Because the life of Jesus is contained in the Bible, right? So for some of us, maybe that's the religious thing we decided this year. You know what? I'm going to look a little more at the life of Jesus and kind of see how he handled things and how he handled people. But if you look at specifically the message that Jesus preached, everything that Jesus proclaimed was about his kingdom. His message was repent, which means change your mind. The kingdom of God is at hand. He said the kingdom of God is at hand. In fact, he said the kingdom of God is within you. That's kind of like mind altering, right? Like, you've missed it the whole time because your thought process hasn't seen it. You have not awakened to the fact that the kingdom of God is at hand. So that's why we repent. That's why we change our minds so we can see the kingdom that's always been there. That's what he proclaimed. We also have prayer. The scriptures actually tell us to pray without ceasing. Without ceasing, but also without ceasing. There's a lot of S's there. Let me get a drink of water. It says to pray without ceasing. I love when my wife laughs at me. Pray without ceasing, which means what? It means being in constant communication with the divine. It doesn't mean, because I'm telling you right now, with our schedule sometimes in this society, you got mom and dad both working. I mean, the kids are here and there. There's soccer. There's all these things that we, you know, we got to put our kids in to keep up with the neighbors or else what are they going to think? There's all these things that we do, just trying to live life, trying to do stuff. And you're like, a prayer closet? Right? I mean, have you heard these messages? Anyone here? Anyone here ever been to church? Have you heard of prayer or prayer closets? By the way, prayer closet to a Jew was literally doing this. It was. When they would pray, they would do this, or they'd have a shawl. Why? It was saying, I'm shutting everything out, and I'm concentrating. Maybe there's moments of the day, you're at work, you go to the back room, and you do this. I'm not joking. I'm being serious. That person just gets under your skin, and you're this close to cussing them out, go in the back room, do this. Do this. Maybe, no, but do this. That's your prayer closet. But see, a prayer closet isn't like, okay, man, I didn't get my, because people do this, beginning of the year. 20 minutes a day. I'm going to start praying 20 minutes a day. I'm going to find a place. And that's a great goal, you guys. If you can find 20 minutes away from everything else and just meditate on the goodness of God, dear Lord, that would change your life. But I know for some of us, we do that. We, day one, two, three, and four are good. And then five, we, and, then, and then before you know it, you get discouraged. You're like, I can't do this. I can't pray every single day. Well, praying without ceasing, my dad used to make this joke. He's like, you better pray without ceasing when you're brushing your teeth. You know, it's all over the mirror when you're brushing. The point, the, the point is we're, we're praying without ceasing is just having this constant communication. You're just open to God all day long. And I found that that's so easy. I could be in my car, in my office, at home, in the grocery store, and I just, something in me. What's that Holy Spirit? 
Oh, yeah. Or, man, Lord, I'm just really dealing with this emotion right now. I'm really dealing with this, this, this failure. I'm really dealing with this thing. It's just being open and honest. Open line of communication. And in my humble opinion, Holy Spirit, the divine, Heavenly Father, whatever you name, Papa. Some people call him Papa. I love that too. It, it's, it's realizing that they know better than you do in situations. In fact, they know you better than you know yourself. And so a lot of times that just takes faith and that takes trust, doesn't it? So when setting goals and making decisions, ask, is this Christ-centered? Is this about kingdom? And what you're going to find is it's led by love, love of God, love of yourself, and love of others. And that's one of the most important things you can do. Make sure it's Christ-centered. Number three, say number three. This is a big one. Do I feel peace when making this decision? Now, I've been on the other end of this, especially when, like, the deal of the century is there, it's there, it's there, and you're in the store. And, like, deep down you don't have peace, but something's like, man, I'm saving, like, $2.30 on this item. How much is it? It's normally 5000 Oh, so it's 4000 Dude, what are you doing right now? But you, you, for some reason they get you because it's, it says sale and it's in red and it's got like the things around it. So they, they, they draw you in. It's the deal of the century. I got to do it now. But deep down there's not peace. They call that buyer's remorse. But it's not just when we buy stuff. It's when we're making simple decisions in life. Whether it be our health. Whether it be our spirituality. Whether it be our finances. The question is, do I feel peace when making this decision? Let me say this. This will help you win every time at this. Follow peace, not emotion. We say it again. Follow peace, not emotion. I found 9.9 times out of 10 when I follow emotion, it's the wrong decision. So we have to have peace in fact, I'm a preacher, so I got a scripture out of Colossians for this, guys. Look at this. I love this in the Amplified. It says, and let the peace, soul harmony, which comes from Christ, rule. Now look at this. Act as an umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions, say all questions, that arise in your minds in that peaceful state. I love this fact, it says, and I've quoted this a lot of times to myself, let peace be the umpire. What's an umpire do? He calls a foul, a strike, a home run, right? That's one thing an umpire does. An umpire is there to say, nope, 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 that's not what you thought it was, it's this. Let peace be the umpire. So when emotion and peace are there, don't go with emotion, go with what peace says. He goes on to say, to which as members of Christ's one body, you were also called to live and be thankful or appreciative, giving praise to God always. So when you are making these decisions, when you're setting these goals, ask this question, do I feel peace when setting this goal? Do I feel peace when making this decision? You with me? A pastor friend, he's from down south, he goes, you tracking me? <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> Number four, this is a big one. Can I live with any downsides? Can I live with any downsides? Now, there's a couple different ways of this affecting our decisions. And the first is that we don't set a goal or we don't make a decision in a particular area because we fear failure or we fear the downsides. Have you ever been there? You, you want to make a decision to do something and it's a pretty big step of faith but you kind of just, uh, you decide not to because we all, we all, who wants to fail? Come on, right? I mean, I don't wake up every morning and go, man, I'm gonna fail twice today, I can't wait. I mean, who does that? We wanna succeed, right? Especially in our goals when we're trying to do things that are better for ourselves. And so what do we do? We give up before we've even set the goal. Don't let that be the determining factor in setting a goal. But also, I think that sometimes when we're setting these goals, we don't consider the downsides. I mean, we're so excited about it. You ever got so excited about something that you don't even look at, you're just looking at all the benefits, all the, all the good things, the good sides we could say, and the success in these areas, if I can reach this, it'd be so awesome. So what I'm seeing is that there's really this middle road area where we don't just completely give up because we feel 
it's a failure before we've even started. But then on the other side of that road, you know, we're not just saying it's like this pie in the sky thing. We just see all the benefits and we totally miss the fact that there could be some downsides or the possibility of failure. And let me say, it's, it's a tight rope to walk for sure, but it definitely can be done. But I do think that it's really important to weigh out the good and the bad. Every time you set these, these goals and these decisions, you have to be honest with yourself, right? And really, here's the question to ask. Do I have the capacity to live with any downsides that may occur with this decision? Put yourself in a place to know, I don't plan on failing, but there are some downsides. There are some things that could happen. But, and if I make this decision, can I live with any downsides? A big one would be someone who says, you know what? I've been doing this for 15. I've been doing this for 20 years. It's not fulfilling. I'm just a slave to the grind. I'm just punching the clock. Some people, they say, you know what? That's it. I'm done. And maybe they don't have the opportunity to maybe start something new while they're doing that. And so they just cold turkey. They put their two weeks in. I'm doing something new. Well, we have to be honest with ourselves. There's potential for success in this new area of life, but there's also potential for downsides or failure. And so we need to be honest about that, especially if we have a family. For some of you, you can't make that decision because if you lose one paycheck, your family pays. So maybe this year is the year to focus more on finances, to set a budget, to get things in line, to pay down some debt, to get yourself into a place where you have an emergency fund. And even more than that, maybe you have two, three, four months worth of salary that you can say, okay, now I'm putting my whole heart into this. Is this making sense? Very practical. But here's the thing. If we, if we just give up and say, it can't happen. I got a family. I can't go without a check and we don't do anything. You might be stuck for another 15 or 20 years doing something that you hate. And I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad thing. Have you ever been in a job and you just, you just don't want to go in and punch the clock? But the guy next to you is like, I love my job. And you're like, how? Well, because it's a fit for them, but it's not a fit for you. So don't give up on that dream. Just say, okay, it may take a one or two years of planning to get myself into a place to where I want to be, but I'm going to start now. So I'll be there in one or two years, right? Remember this, we won't always have success in every decision or goal that we set. But without a goal, we'll achieve nothing at all. So we must set these goals. So number four was what? Can I live with any downsides? Number five, this is the last one, and then we'll close up. Does this decision match my gifts and abilities? Does this decision match my gifts and abilities. You know, sometimes, have you ever seen someone who's doing something so amazing? You're like, I want to do that. But it's like, you're not gifted in it. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be mean. We have to be honest. This time of the year is a great time to be honest with ourselves if we're not where we want to be. But that doesn't mean that you're less than because you can't do what they do. They're doing them, you do you. It's, it's important, right? In fact, in Romans 12, 4 through 6, it says this. In this way, we are all like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Say, I'm chosen. Listen to this. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all, say all, all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be. Come on, Eugene Peterson. Man, the message translation is so cool sometimes. Look at the person next to you and say, be what you were made to be. That's important. Without, this is huge, without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other. Oh, man. We all have a tendency to do this, don't we? Stop comparing yourself to others. You aren't them. 
Stop comparing yourself to others. Look at this, or trying to be something we aren't. This happens in, I mean, every facet of life. People trying to be something they aren't. And then it's just, it's not authentic. It's not genuine. There's really not true fulfillment in it. And so I know, I know we're asking hard questions. I mean, it's great to just have Jesus loves me messages and, you know, you know, God's got your back and he does. And that's all true. But I believe that God has called us with purpose in life. And when we align to those things, when we get that right, and it may take some time to figure it out, it's not just helping ourselves, it's helping those around us. So this comparison thing, let me just say it, it's got to stop. In other words, we all have to, we all have this part that we play in life. And when we do it, when we do it well, it's essentially helping others do what they're called to do. Isn't that cool? So what I love most about this passage of scripture is that we don't have to be like everyone else. I mean, Paul's spelling it out. He's like, listen, don't be someone you aren't. Be who God has gifted you to be, the abilities he's given you to do. Be that person. I'll say it again. Our job is not to envy others. Our job is not to try to be who they are. It's finding out what our gifts are what our abilities are, and then setting goals based on that, based on you doing you. Not someone else's gifts or someone else's abilities. Now, I think we can celebrate others, and sometimes I think we should more. Sometimes we just are jealous and we don't want to tell them, man, great job at this or that. And sometimes if our gift or ability in this culture seems to be here, we have a tendency to not... What's the word I'm looking for? We have a tendency to not um, encourage people who maybe their ability seems to be here. See, this Western culture, I, I, listen, I, I love the United States. I love where I live. Don't get me wrong. But there's something about Western culture around the world. It puts labels on people. It puts these different tiers. And people are put on different planes and, and playing fields. And I don't think it's right. Jesus never did that with anyone. And so it's celebrating. That's the word. Celebrate the school janitor, because he's not any less than you. Imagine going to school without a school janitor. (laughs) It'd be horrible. Those of you who work in the school system, it's messy enough. It's kids, come on. That's a wonderful job. But sometimes we can go, well, they're not a CEO of a corporation. Well, not everyone's going to be. And sometimes the CEOs of the corporations, they're just jerks anyway. Because they're so full of themselves and what I've accomplished. See, none of us should get to that place in life. We celebrate the gifts and abilities that God's given to, to us. We, we grow those. We stretch into those areas. But we also celebrate people in every facet of life. That's really kingdom, isn't it? So let's recap. Number one, ask the question when you're setting these goals. Have I asked another person? Talk to someone who has been successful in those areas of life and say, what did you do? I'm telling you, I've got some of the greatest wisdom from people. Instead of me envying them saying, hey, I want to know how you achieve this in your life. Number two, is it Christ-centered? Does it reflect the kingdom which is built on love, grace, goodness, acceptance, worthiness? Number three, do I feel peace when making this decision? Now, this is one where you have to be really honest with yourself. When you're making that decision, do you feel peace? Or is there kind of a check there, like, I'm not sure. Number four, can I live with any downsides? I think it's important to weigh out the good and the bad. And when you get into any situation or you set any goal, to just know that there's the potential for failure, there's the potential for some downsides. And then last but certainly not least, number five, does this decision match my gifts and abilities? Because you were gifted, And you were given abilities because they fit with you. And you're not less than anyone else because they vary. We have to vary. How boring would the world be if everyone was exactly the same? Unless they were all like me. But No, but how boring, right? We need people to help us keep in check and celebrate what we do well and vice versa. It's it's just awesome. That's how the world works. So say this with me. Today, I decide to ask better questions. 
Say it again. Today, I decide to ask better questions. Awesome. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for just your goodness and your love toward us. Man, I just sense such freedom. There's such freedom in realizing that we don't have to be someone that we aren't. That all of us vary in our gifts and our callings and our abilities. I pray this morning that if nothing else, we're awakening to what those are and realizing that they're special because that's who we were made to be. I pray as we go through this week and the coming weeks ahead that we would be serious about this. We would ask the hard questions in life. Maybe bounce things off people. Maybe make sure it's Christ-centered. Maybe ask questions like, do I feel peace when I make this decision? But that we would be serious because for many of us, maybe we're just in a rut and, and we want to get out of that rut. And we really have the, think about this, we are privileged to live in a society that has enough freedom that we can actually make decisions for ourselves. And so I pray that even today as we go over these, these life wheels that we're not getting into condemnation, we're not getting into anxiety over it. Maybe there's some goals that we even set this week and, and we realize after asking these questions, that's not for now. So I need to focus on something else. In fact, I'll focus on this facet of my life because then that will help me next year or the year after to focus on that facet of my life. That We don't have to take it too fast, but we need to do something. And I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you're there. Holy Spirit, you're there. You're with us. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. You're encouraging us. You're showing us who we truly are. And the ultimate conclusion of this is we are living, actually living a life that's fulfilled and pleasing, whatever that may be. And then we, in turn, are helping others live lives that are fulfilling and pleasing because it all goes around. It's all connected. If we could just see that, Heavenly Father, It's so much bigger than we can see in front of us. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.